This is How to Business and Show Business, where we talk about the business of show, the podcast that discusses ways to work smarter, not harder. If you're a performer at the beginning of your career or a student interested in going into the performing arts, this is the podcast for you. For more about the podcast, you can find our website at businessandshowbusiness.com. There you can learn more about the business of performing arts with coursework, videos with shop talk, and interviews with other professional performers. Now here's your host, Corbin. Hello, I'm your host, Corbin, and welcome back to another episode of How to Business in Show Business. Before we get started, go ahead and click that subscribe button so you can stay caught up anytime there's a new episode. Friends, thanks for joining me for another episode. I'm so excited to share this week's guest and discussion with Ricardo Hubs. Ricardo is an on-set photographer based out of Canada whose career has taken him around the world catching candid moments of people and the stories they tell. In this discussion of the photographer's perspective, Ricardo takes us on a unique journey of his career, starting with when he won his first camera at the age of nine at his father's company picnic, to then being given a real camera by his maternal grandmother at age 13, refining that skill till his early 20s, to which then he started cutting his teeth, backpacking around the world for two years. He then shares how a job as an accommodations coordinator then led him to a career in still photography and gave him a chance encounter with Jessica Biel that gave him the push he needed. Now for my fellow actors, I really want you to key into the conversation as we talk about his career as an onset photographer because through the stories of which we're going to hear, there's lessons to be learned for actors about how to conduct yourself on set do's and don'ts, things that you might not even think of, or maybe it just boiling down to you don't know what you don't know. Now, without further ado, and believe you me, no one more so than I has been waiting for this day. This interview wraps up our batch of 2020 interviews and leads us into our 2021 interviews. So without further ado, here's my interview with Ricardo Hubs. What is a hobby and or interest that you have outside of the business? So hobbies and interests I have outside of the business, I get that question a lot um, because people know me as a photographer and they know mm-hmm. me as a very visual person. Uh, but really my soul is uh, uh, barefoot in a garden. Um, mm. I'm really um, a down to earth, simple person. I own a house on nine acres in the woods. I have a large organic garden. And when I'm in that fenced in area, that's really where my passion lies. I love to put a seed in the ground. I love to watch it grow, whether it's a flower or a carrot or a giant hovered squash or what, or corn or raspberries or any of the multitude of tomatoes I've planted, whatever. That's really my happy place. A lot of people will say to me like, Oh my God, the garden's so much work. And I'm like, no work is outside the garden fence. You know, when I'm in the garden, it's really a place for me to literally take off my shoes and socks and walk barefoot in the ground and uh, enjoy a beautiful day in the sun or the rain or whatever's going on. And I I guess I'm very elemental. I really, I'm really into being in a garden, being in the woods. um, And, and I own a house. So of course, building a house and maintaining a house and all of those things is, is really my life's passion. And I, I'm not much of an urban city person. I don't, I don't dislike the city, uh, but I really thrive when my shoes are off and I'm, and just quietly 
puttering about in a garden. Yeah. How and when did you get into photography? That's a good question. I also get asked that a lot. Excuse me, I'm eating a, a salad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> part of my nature. Um, I won a camera when I was nine years old. In you a, won it? I won it in a race on my dad's company picnic. And um, I was very proud of my win. And it, looking back, it was this giant plastic. It was a kid's toy camera. Right. And um, good Lord, I would love to find those photos. I, somewhere in my parents' boxes of things are those first photographs that I took. I would love to see them. And I started photographing my friends. Then when I was around 13, my grandmother, my mother's mom, gave me a camera. And that was the first um, real camera that I touched, but I still kept it on automatic. I didn't, you know, there was no internet in those days. I didn't really have access to photography, books. So I think I really trained my eye in those days. I was really big on, not consciously, but I was learning how to take what I'm looking at and, and find what was interesting and turn it into a photograph. But of course, in the pre-internet days, you know, people would tell me like, oh, you're a really good photographer. Like even when I was young, like you've got a really good eye. And there's me looking at a National Geographic magazine, thinking that they were lying to me and just trying to be nice because I was actually not very good. Mm -hmm. um, because I, the only thing I could compare myself were to the best photographers in the world. And I was like, how on earth are they getting those photographs? And then I just kept with it. Um, uh, when I was in my early 20s, uh, I backpacked around the world for two years. And I brought a camera with me, another treasure trove of incredible images. And um, that really solidified my love of the camera and my, uh, I considered myself a record keeper of some sort. Um, and certainly now looking back at those photos, like I backpacked through China in 1991, there wasn't even cars on the road. Um, so, and of course there was no backpackers in China in those days. So the camera really became this great extension for an extroverted introvert where I could um, maintain distance from things, but also be involved in them. So it was this great place for, for my character to kind of um, be engaged, but also be a spectator and not just be in the sport, if that makes sense. Well, and you just touched upon it, you know, cutting your teeth. And I find that that's so interesting in, in how we all come to it in our own ways. Would you, and there's many different types, so I don't want to label, how, how would you classify yourself as a photographer? Would you say you live more in the world of fashion or lifestyle or stills or all income, like just all around? Um, I do not take many photos in nature or landscape unless there's this mind blowing, um, like what was that comet that came out this summer? I took quite a few pictures of the comet, but generally I don't, I don't take pictures of things that don't have people in them. Mm. Um, I, I really love photographing people. I love a photograph. I, I love the idea that a photograph is this, is this kind of stolen moment in time that has a before and an after it, it doesn't just have a present. It has a past and a future. Mm -hmm. So you can look at an image and maybe wonder what happened before or what's going to happen after or how on earth did he manage to capture 
that particular moment, a lot of people will be saying to me like, I can't believe you, you, you caught that. Or, you know, I'll take a picture of them and be like, oh my God, that was when I was, saw my long lost friend I hadn't seen in 10 years and we were running towards each other and hugging. And I, I, I have, I have a gift, I guess, of, uh, of being a real candid photographer. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily a street photographer. I used to be more when people, um, when not everybody had a camera because it was easier in those days. People weren't as shy from cameras or they didn't really know I was taking a photo. Whereas now there's so many cameras everywhere that people have become very sensitive to it. And I've become very sensitive to it. So I don't really photograph uh, people I don't know. I used to do it a lot. Um, I really love event photography and I love social movement photography. So I love going to uh, a protest or a march or a blockade or something like that and trying to capture capture some visceral sense of, uh, uh, of people's uh, emotion and passion. Um, whether I agree with the cause or not, usually I agree with the cause and that's why I go. But all of that lends really into my work of shooting stills on a film set because even though it's a contrived environment, um, for the act, for the audience, when they watch it, it isn't contrived. I mean, the whole idea is to bring them in mm. and, and to kind of get them lost in this world that we're creating. But when you're on a film set, of course, it doesn't feel like that at all. Like you're not even shooting in sequence and, you know, you're shooting a scene five times over and uh, from all these different angles. But I have to kind of work into the mind of the actor and 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 kind of find that character's perspective and that character's emotion because it has to be in tandem with what the audience is seeing not what we're seeing on set Mm -hmm. so um and i also like to reveal behind the curtain because people want to see what what does it look like on set like so (laughs) so i'll shoot the actors doing their things but then i'll also pull back and i'll i'll kind of reveal behind the curtain so the audience can be excited about how these things are made Mm -hmm. i remember when i was like um, in the eighties. So I, I'm 53 now, almost 53. And, um, I remember seeing this behind the scenes picture of the Terminator of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm. And it was the first time I'd ever seen a behind the scenes photo. And I was fascinated by it. Like, wow. You know, and hearing that like a minute long scene on a movie, I guess I read an article or something. I, I don't really remember exactly what it was, but I remember the photo and I remember learning like, wow, a minute long scene can take a day to shoot and being really fascinated by that like wow and then there was this picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger sitting down and there was people around him and I've actually worked with him since which is kind of cool um but I remember that was my first peek behind the curtain and it it got me excited I didn't know I was headed to the film industry we'll probably get into that but but that definitely planted this seed of excitement for for the film industry that would later take root kind of very much how I said, I like to garden mm-hmm. this, the metaphor of me liking to garden, the seed was planted in me. And eventually, you know, there'd be the right sun and rain and everything for that to flourish inside me and make a career of it. But yeah, it, I even forget your question. I'm going on and on. No, no, no. It's all right. Because you're, you're, <laughs> and I love these conversations because especially when there's a good rhythm and flow, it kind of bleeds into the next thing without addressing You've already talked about it. Your eye as a photographer, was that something that came easily to you, like natural, or is it something you just learned and developed over time? I think both. It came to me naturally in terms of, um, as I said, I'm a candid photographer. I have a gift of of capturing a moment. I'm very quick. Um, 
You know, I, I don't pose people and ask them to smile hardly ever. Like people want those photos sometimes, I understand. You know, let's get the family together or let's get the wedding party together. Mm -hmm. uh, let's get the film crew together. But generally I consider the magic of photography to be um, capturing a moment. I, I feel that, I mean, I've definitely, since the internet comes out, has come out, I do a lot of online tutorials. I still do them. Um, if I have nothing going on and um, I have some time, I'll throw on YouTube and I'll punch in something about a camera and I'll get all these videos and I'll watch them. I also subscribe uh, to creativelive.com, which I really like. And I've done a lot of their, um, a lot of their tutorials. So I'm constantly trying to train myself uh, photography as in acting or uh, many other uh, things. There's always more to learn and there's always more craft to fine tune. But I think in terms of my photography, really my, I was trained by doing and starting so super young mm -hmm. um, and having such a gifted life that I've been able to travel and live in lots of different places uh, really encouraged my passion. I just wanted to share my experience with, per with people ultimately. Like here I was traveling the world before the internet. Uh, I wanted to come home and show people photos of what I was seeing and people I was meeting. And, you know, I lived in a little mud hut on the edge of a jungle in Guatemala with the family for a winter, like incredible experience. I have incredible photographs at that time. Um, uh, but I, I wasn't doing it for any other reason that I wanted to to keep record of my life. Um, it sort of was journaling in a sense. I'm not much of a writer, but I'm a very visual person. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wanted to show my mom and dad when I got home where I had been, and mm -hmm. and that and and that kind of led into me taking lots of photos. I have a trunk of slides at my house that you know. One of these days I'm going to go through and, and digitize <laughs> them and, and show the world because uh, there's some some jewels in there from those times. But um, yeah, so I, I think it's a combination of getting older, <laughs> taking, you know, millions of photos um, and then and then doing online tutorials. I used to buy books, I remember, before the Internet, but maybe I had a little bit of, you know, not 100 percent wanting to get too technical with what I was doing. So I would kind of read it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too into it. But now that the internet's there and I can watch a video and I can listen to a photographer speak and, and look at what they're doing and have my camera beside me, it, it, it's much easier to learn that way. But when people ask me about photography, like my niece who's 16, she wants to be a photographer because I'm a photographer and I think she thinks it looks cool. But I'm like, you need a camera. If you want to be a photographer, like you don't go to photography school to learn how to be a photographer. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to photography school uh, to learn how to start to be a photographer or how to fine tune your photography skill. But photography is really a, a, an, is a learning by doing because it, particularly when we had film and, you know, I would take a picture and I had a little book and, you know, I shot at F4, at, you know, 125th at 400 ISO. And then I would get my film back or many weeks later. And then I would, you know, look like, did that work? And how did that work and take notes? And so it was really in those days, a real slow learning, like how to, how to use the mechanics of my camera to get, to get a photo. Whereas, you know, now it's WYSIWYG, like what you see is what you get. I can like figure it out. I'm like, Oh, right on the back of my mirrorless camera is exactly the photo that I'm going to take. Like, how great is that? Yeah. Um, but yeah. 
<laughs> no, please. Like, my very long answer to... No, it's uh, all good. It's all good. Uh, you talked about it earlier, um, but I want, now, now I want to dive into it. Your eye as a photographer, as opposed to your eye as an on-set photographer, how does that translate onto film and TV for you? Um, I, I, I think I touched on that a little bit. Um, it's keeping the... First of all, I love being an on-set photographer. I think anything you love to do, you're going to be successful at because it's your passion drives you to be your best. Mm -hmm. I love my job. I love working with actors. I love working with the director. I love working with the creative team at Netflix or Warner Brothers or Hallmark Channel or whoever I'm working with. That excites me. My history with photography really falls into... Um, into onset stills really well, I have to capture a moment that tells the story of the show or tells the story of that character or that tells the story of that moment in the script. So my eye is really looking for a lot of details to pull into that or maybe just some emotional context on the character's face. Again, I'm not mimicking what the movie cameras are doing. I do sometimes, mm -hmm. but I'm trying to extract from the scene something that the audience will get and it goes back to like i'm freezing a moment in time that's the present but it has a past and a future and that the, the photograph should somehow tell that i really love behind the scenes photos for that reason because i, I can really capture some fun fun moments between the cast um that helps the audience fall in love with them more mm -hmm. um and of course a lot of uh, that's what celebrity -ness is you know is is the audience has a real love for the character, but they also have a love for the actor. So I, I'm trying to like pull those two things out. So I'm, you know, I'll, I'll show that this is the person who plays the character and behind the scenes. But then as soon as I'm shooting unit stills, um, it's not, I find it easy. I love my job. And a, a friend of mine wanted to do stills. I'll tell a little story. And I, he's a great photographer and, and yeah, I said, I think you'll do really well. And I set up this gig for him that I couldn't do. And he found it really hard. And I was like, hmm, interesting because it looks easy, but I guess there is a certain skill set that I have that I can, I, I can, there's so many factors going on on a film set. A is the eyeline of the actor and you know, heaven, it's so hard not to be in the eye line, particularly when I'm standing beside a movie camera. A movie camera doesn't move. The operator doesn't move very much. But I've got a camera that I have to shoot portrait. I have to shoot landscape. I, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I, I'm adjusting as I go. I've got camera straps on me. I'm six foot six. Like I'm this big, huge character. <laughs> and I have to become invisible. And to some actors, um, you know, I've had actors say to me before we've even started to shoot, like, it's not you. I just get really distracted by photographers. So could you not be on set while I'm acting? But excuse. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, and then some, you know, I can be almost directly in their eye line and they don't, they don't care. I've done a little bit of acting. I did some acting last year. I was asked to play a photographer in this show. Um, called Eat, Drink, and Be Married, I think. Um, and I was, I, I like acting, but I really like doing that role because 
I was able to stand in the actor's shoes. You know, they had a steady cam go around me. They had a stills photographer that day. They had all of the elements that allowed me to see from the actor's perspective what's going on around me. Personally, I didn't see any of it. All I saw was my interaction with the actors. I could definitely sense that there was people around, but I didn't see the stills photographer. I didn't, I didn't see the steady cam moving around me. All of that thing happened. All those things happened independent. So from my perspective, I was like, wow, actors are really just dropping into this moment with the other characters. Mm-hmm. Um, but not all actors operate that way. Um, but it was a good experience for me. And sometimes I'm very nervous going on set. And I think a lot of actors are too. It's a little bit of stage fright on everybody's behalf. Maybe everybody is feeling a little nervous. You know, maybe the director's nervous. I don't know. Um, there's a lot of pressure to deliver. Uh, I feel a great allegiance with the cast. Um, and I generally try and build a relationship with them um, often offset, um, but definitely while I'm on set. Now it's totally different with COVID. I can't really even talk to them because of the masks and keeping distance and stuff. So it's a little a little different now, but um, so there, there's a lot of elements going on for me. There's, there's relationships uh, with the cast, there's relationship with the camera operator, there's relationship with the boom operator. I'm dancing with them all day um, and trying, like there could be a lot of cameras pointed in on a scene and I've got to somehow like sneak in there and get my camera and, and take an incredible photo. Like, you know, there's a boom operator, there's there's a camera, there's another camera, there's an assistant, there's a dolly grip, there's another assistant, there's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe the director has pulled their monitors in right where I was going to shoot, you know, right in my direct line. That I was like, yeah, this is going to be a great shot. And suddenly, boop, the monitors go there and a director stands in front of me. So I, I'm kind of this oddball out on set sometimes. Um, because the whole production can go with or without me. Whereas you, you know, extract an operator or a dolly grip and suddenly there's a problem. You extract the still spot photographer, everything keeps going. So it's really, I I find my biggest challenge is really finding my place on set where I can um, get what I need to get and, and avoid eye lines and, and create a good image and get all the elements in the shot that I want and not have the boom hanging down. And sometimes those things are in there. I'm like, okay, I can shoot this. The boom is coming down, but it's on a white wall or a blue wall or over the ocean or behind a tree. So they'll be able to paint it out. So I'm also kind of thinking like, okay, we can make a poster out of this. We can paint this out. We can paint that out. Um, when, yeah. you say, when you say we, do you mean you going at you going in post uh, post edit or handing it off to someone else to do that? Handing it off to somebody else. I will sometimes do it myself just because I don't want to look like I had a boom in my shot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it depends on how much time and it, you know if we're working those consecutive long days, I, I might be too tired to do it. Um, but I generally uh, I don't charge for that time, but I I do like to to submit top quality work so everybody mm. is super happy and um i'll leave it like i worked on um on limetown a little facebook series a year or so ago two years ago and i would take the the theme music from the limetown podcast and i would do little slideshows uh-huh. to the music so i could show the cast i could show the director i could show the director of photography um and just kind of so they'd have a sense of what i was doing and kind of have 
a lot of trust and a lot of excitement about my part of my job. Cause often stills is kind of just like, Oh yeah, the stills photographers on set. Oh God, you know, here I've got another person to fit in. So it's really about creating a relationship. I really love doing the slideshows. I actually started in photography to kind of going back um, to the nineties um, and back to my life in a cabin in the woods. Um, and there was, this is before digital and there was um, a lot of uh, movement in the 90s to protect uh, forests in British Columbia with Clackwood Sound and all these sorts of things. And I became very fascinated with it and, and also very sympathetic to the cause. And so I would photograph all this stuff and then I would do these giant slideshows and I had two slide projectors and, you know, my cross dissolve was paper going in front, you know, it was very high tech, you know, and I'd have this big screen. I'd put a big piece of Tyvek up in the trees and hundreds of people would come to these things. I didn't charge for them. I just wanted people. It was more to support the cause and have people have a sense of what was going on in the woods and, and bring, um, something that was in the woods into the mainstream. And so people could see what was going on. And at the end of it, people would come up to me in tears, like, oh my God, I, that was incredible. Like literally people crying in front of me that, and that was when I really became confident in my work. Like, well, oh, I can really move people. And if I can move people, maybe I can help move the issue in the right area and, and help create more sympathy to the cause. and. Um, and so now here I am all these years later working on a film set, still trying to engender some sort of emotional context. Maybe it's not to help support uh, watershed preservation, but it's help to support the, the emotional context of the show and the love of the show and the, the desire to, to want more media and to help the show do well. So. The conversation continues, so if you'd like to hear more from Ricardo, head over to my Patreon so you can catch the full episode. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review this podcast, and be sure to share with your friends. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on next week's episode of How to Business in Show Business. <laughs>